Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. My name is Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here at Simple Church, and I'm so glad that you guys decided to join us here on this Sunday morning. We are kicking off a brand new series today, and it's called Three Things We Love About Summer, because how many of you guys love the summertime out there? Can I get a witness or an amen or whatever out there? Now, how many of you also know that this is not my normal Sunday attire, okay? But since we love summer and we are in Ohio where the weather is, well like it is, we decided we would have a beach mindset because we are all here in Ohio. And uh, and so we decided to wear some board shorts and some flip-flops. And I said to the worship team, I said, you guys get your Hawaiian shirts on and we'll play some Beach Boys music. It'll be fun. It'll be a good time throughout this series. So for the next couple weeks, I encourage you and invite you to do the same. Wear your board shorts, your t-shirts, your flip-flops. Just come and be comfortable because during the summertime, that's what we Enjoy. Now, I do have to ask no bikinis on Sunday morning, especially, guys, that means you. Please, nobody wants to see that. And can I get another amen for that? All right. So uh, we, we really love the, the laid-back nature of these series. Last year, we did something called the Simple Church Summer Concert Series, and we had a great time rocking out and enjoying that. We said, let's do this again, so that's what we're going to do. And uh, even though summer's not really my favorite season, I'm more of a spring and a fall kind of guy myself. I, I enjoy those. And, and I'll be really honest with you why, okay? You're just probably, this is going to be the TMI moment of the day, okay? I'm, I sweat profusely <laughs> for no reason at all. In fact, I'm a fat joke waiting to happen. I will stand in places and just sweat. I'm not even moving. And Why are you sweating? I'm fat. I have nothing else to give you. I don't know. But I am a sweater, and so in the summertime, it gets even worse, right? Because the temperatures spike, it gets more humid, and I'll just be standing someplace, and I am, I am continuously moist to the touch during the summertime, and I hate it. I hate that. I hate that. Some of you hate that word, and I hate being it. So it is just not something I enjoy. So I prefer the temperatures of the spring and the fall, but there are some things that I do enjoy about summer. Uh, one of the things that I, that I enjoy is longer days during the summertime. It gives you more opportunity for fellowship with people. Because, you know, you're coming home and it's 5 o'clock and the sun is down. You feel like you need to go home and, like, relax. You know, it's time to chill out. But during the summertime, the sun's not gone until, like, 9 o'clock at night sometimes. And, and it's great. And so the fellowship with my kids is, is there. And we're able to enjoy and spend more time together. I, I really love that flexibility and the freedom of the summertime. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to take... Uh, some spiritual principles from some of the things that we love about summer. So uh, come and enjoy it. Wear your flip-flops and and relax with us. And uh, one of my favorite things about summer was that there was no school. How many of you guys loved not being in school during the summertime, right? I remember, now, don't get me wrong, I was a good student. I loved being in school. I was teacher's pet. I was a 4.0 student. I was a mathlete. I don't think you get to do that when you're a mathlete, by the way. Flex. For those of you on the podcast listening, I just flexed. 
But I, but I enjoyed school. I really loved being there. But I also really loved the break and the reprieve. And if you were like me, the summertime was always way too short. That break that you got, it's like, dude, are we back in school already? They always kept us way too long in the summer and brought it back way too early, in my opinion. And I love that break because that break represented freedom. There was flexibility in our schedules. We could hang out with friends more. We could swim. We stayed up later. Like, I really enjoyed that during the summer, much of what my kids are enjoying now. The family always took vacation. It was great. In fact, when I was a kid, I remember very specifically that, that Ohio was talking about going to be one of those schools where, or at least the, the, the Columbus system, uh, maybe it was all statewide, but they were talking about going to school all year round. Does anybody remember this? This probably would have been 18 years ago. Gosh, has it been that long? It has been. Since I was in school, they were talking about going to school all year round, like and taking a smaller break in the summer. And I, I remember very distinctly praying, Jesus, if that's going to happen, you can just come back now. I don't need you to wait. Let's just come on back now because I don't even want to endure that mess. That is just ridiculous. And so uh, the break was always too short, but, but I do remember liking that. And, uh, and that, and that, that freedom, that, that structure or the, the lack of structure in the summertime was really great. It was, it was, it was wonderful for me. And so this week uh, is the week that we also celebrate our independence as a nation. How many of you guys are excited for the 4th of July? How many of you guys are, are going to the parade and are going to the fireworks? Anybody going somewhere to enjoy that, right? It's, yeah, fantastic. It's, it's, it's uh, great that we do that. And so this week is all about the independence we celebrate as a nation. And, uh, and, and since we have that and how much I enjoy that school's out, that's the theme this week. This, uh, the message is called Schools Out because that's one of the three things I love about summer, okay? Because it represents freedom. And freedom is a good subject for us to study, especially with this particular weekend and Independence Day. So hopefully we'll tie this all together really, really nicely and put a little bow on it. It'll be fancy. I'll hold my pinky out and everything. So let's pray before we begin. Lord, we thank you for the, uh, for the opportunity to gather together. We thank you for the freedom we have to express our love our faith and our hope that we have placed in you by gathering together, by worshiping and celebrating what you've done for us. Lord, we pray that as we dive into the word today, Lord, that you would open our hearts, challenge us with your word, but more than that, change us. Bring change in us that, that, that causes us to live our lives differently as a result. And Lord, we thank you that the Buckeyes are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Amen. And favorites, that's right, amen. So this week, uh, if you need a Bible, we're gonna, if it's your very first time here, first of all, if it is your first time, we want to welcome you. Can we give our guests a round of applause and welcome them? Thank you so much for being here with us today. Uh, if it's your first time with us, we're, we'll put the scriptures and things that we're going to do up here on the screen, but we'd also love for you to have a Bible. We would love to bless you with one, give it to you as our gift to you, because we believe God's Word is influential in your life, and you need to own a Bible and uh, so if you just put your hand in the air, one of our service hosts will make sure you have a Bible to take home with you. But we'll also have the verses up there on the screen, okay? Now, as we talk about freedom, I want to give you a few facts about freedom that I think we sometimes take for granted here in America. The very first thing that I think we often forget and we, we let go by is that freedom is expensive. Freedom is expensive. We don't have freedom without a cost. It doesn't come cheaply. Whether in our nation or in our spiritual lives, freedom has a very high cost that comes along with it. When we look at our founding forefathers, they were really intense about freedom. In fact, one of the most famous guys was quoted as saying, give me liberty or give me death. 
This is a guy who came from spiritual oppression through a government, and he knew what, what that was all about. He knew what it was like to be oppressed and to be a slave to a government that was tyrannical. And he said, freedom is more important than my very life. So either I have freedom, or you might as well kill me because I'm not going back to the way that it was. And I love that because that, that's the great spirit that this country was founded on. We'd rather die than be in slavery. And while this is a great aspect of our culture, that we value freedom so much, we need to remember today that freedom, that very same freedom that we enjoy, came at a very dear price. Many men and women of all ages, of all ethnicity, of all backgrounds, of all financial backgrounds, of all education backgrounds, they all came together to pay a price for what we enjoy today, and that's freedom in this country. And those sacrifices continue to be made today. We need to honor those people who have willingly laid down their lives and continue to lay down their lives so that freedom continues to ring in this country. Amen? Because Independence Day is about a lot more than fireworks, parades, and parties. All those celebrations are the continuation of a celebration of battles that we fought and won and sacrifices that were made all in the name of freedom. Now let me tell you something. If you struggle with the idea that that America is a free country, let me invite you to travel outside of our country. Now, I'm not inviting you to leave. I'm inviting you to travel and go check out other countries. If you really think that they have freedom, you need to go experience it for yourself and understand that, that America is a fairy tale land. Like, we have it made here. We are blessed. We have freedom. And no other country is like America and the freedoms that we get to express. And I promise you, once you go and visit, you will change your tune. The same thing is true in our spiritual lives. Just as Americans, it is easy for us to forget and take for granted our freedom. As Christians, it can be easy for us to forget the price that was paid for our spiritual freedom. I believe that our, that our propensity as people, like our, our tendency, is to forget. We forget where we came from. We forget who we were. We forget what changed for us. We forget. That's why we get caught up in temptations. That's why we, as the Bible calls, return like a dog to its vomit. We go back to it because we forgot what it was like. We forgot how it made us feel. We forgot where we came from. And we forget. And I think that's why Jesus, Jesus encouraged us. And all throughout the Bible, God says, remember, 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 remember. Jesus, even, even when he was here with his disciples, before he leaves them, he gives them something to remember him by. And he gives them communion. He says, do this in remembrance of me and the price that I will pay. He even tells them the price that he's getting ready to pay. He says, you need to remember. We cannot forget. Why? Well, because I believe that something shifts inside of you when you remember. When you actually remember the price that was paid. I don't know about you, but for me, whenever I hear the national anthem, I stand to my feet, I put my hand on my heart, I refuse conversation, I hush my children, and I stand in reverence and I listen to that song. Why? Because there was a price that was paid for my freedom. Somebody laid their lives down. Thousands of people laid their lives down. Generations have laid their lives down so that I could experience freedom. So that one day, a battle would be fought, and that flag that was flying, which my family and I got to see in Washington, D.C. a few weeks ago when we were there, the actual flag that Francis Scott Key, the guy who wrote the national anthem, he, the flag that he saw was on display, and it was inspiring. It was magnificent. But that flag and its tattered form and all that it was was the result of a battle that had raged on and somebody paid a price for it. 
And I stand and I listen to the national anthem and I go somewhere mentally where I'm remembering the prices that, was, that were paid, the lives that were sacrificed, the popularity contests that people lost in the name of freedom. Oftentimes when I'm listening to the national anthem, I'll cry. I'm a weepy kind of guy, don't get me wrong. I, I'm, I, cry, I cry over a lot of things. You don't need to cry when you hear it. But it moves me to tears. It does. Because I remember what they've done. It's important something shifts inside me. I become very patriotic and very proud of who we are when I hear the national anthem. The same thing happens when I take communion or even in moments when I'm by myself in my personal devotional time. To remember the price, to actually think about the price that Christ paid. And I don't just mean in his death and, the, and what he suffered and endured on the cross, the pain that he experienced. I don't even mean in that. I mean the sacrifice he made from leaving glory. Do you know what it's like in heaven? I don't, but I read about it and I hear it's a great place to be. I, I don't know what it's like, but he did. Can you imagine being in the most incredible place in all of existence and choosing to walk away from that? That's a sacrifice. To be born into pain, into into humbling circumstances, to die a death that was brutal, so brutal that people said you were cursed if you hung upon a cross. For what? For my freedom. And when I take communion or I, I have those moments in prayer where I remember what happens, Oftentimes I cry because I couldn't have earned that. There's nothing I can do to gain that. Jesus did it for me. Before I ever changed anything about me, before anything shifted inside of me, before I even knew who he was, before I was born on this planet, he made that sacrifice for me. And when I remember that, something changes inside of me that shifts my very being to the core. Jesus knew this would affect us that way. He said, to remember. We need to remember. Here's the reality of our situation. If you're unaware of what it is, Romans 3.23 says, everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. And all needs to be made right with God by his grace, which is a free gift. I think sometimes we stop reading right there. We go, free gift? That's me. Sign me up. F-R-E-E. I'm in. That's it. That's good. I'll take that. That's for me. And we acknowledge that it was free, but we forget that there was a price that was paid. See, Jesus paid that price with his life. The verse continues on. They need to be made free from sin through Christ Jesus. God sent him to die in our place to take away our sins. We receive forgiveness through faith in the blood of Jesus' death. Today we have the opportunity to be spiritually free. And if you're still bound spiritually at the end of today's message, I'll give you the opportunity to begin a life anew today. But we have this opportunity to be spiritually free. To be free in this country and celebrate all because somebody paid a price. The second thing about freedom is that it's offensive. Freedom is offensive. We really need to know that contrary to what we hear, the world does not hate us as Americans. Okay, They're really fans of America. In fact, a lot of them want to get here because it's the land of opportunity. But there are certain groups of people who hate us. They hate what we have. And it isn't because of our politics or our policies. It isn't because of our flag or our television shows. They don't hate us because of our music, although I'm pretty sure the rest of the world holds us responsible for Nickelback and they're Canadian. That is not our fault. (laughs) 
They don't hate us for these reasons. The reason those countries hate us is because of our freedom. Places that are dominated by tyranny and law that is unscriptural hate America. We would be unwise to bury our heads and pretend that there aren't enemies of freedom who are plotting against us from outside the country and from within it. Freedom is offensive to people who don't live in a state of freedom. They are jealous, they are envious, and they want you miserable like they are. The same thing can be true in our spiritual lives. God has called us to a place of freedom. We don't have to live under the old rules and the regulations of the Old Testament law and that law of Moses. It was impossible to do anyway. And Jesus shows up on the scenes and he, and he comes and he gives us grace. And he gives us the opportunity to be free in him. In today's world, that means that we can gather together, men and women, we can drink our coffee, we can wear our board shorts and our t-shirts and our flip-flops, and we can come together like this and we can gather in a warehouse and we can celebrate that. We have freedom to do so because of what Christ has done for us. But believe it or not, there are people, even in this community, and I don't mean this community of people, I mean this community, the city of Reynoldsburg, even the Columbus metropolitan area and the rest of, there are churches, there are groups of people who are not okay with wearing board shorts and flip-flops. In fact, there may be some of you today that are offended that I'm up here dressed this way. I'm just saying, but, but you show me a chapter and verse in the Bible where I'm supposed to follow that way, and you can't. I have freedom. I have freedom to express myself this way. But there are people that don't want you to do that. And the same thing was happening in the early church. Paul was traveling throughout the world. He's preaching Christ to people who have never known the Jewish law. Right? And he told them that it was just faith in Christ that led them to freedom from their sins, which is true. And Paul would teach freedom in Christ, but there was this group of people, this group of Jews, who left Israel and went out to the places where Paul had preached, where churches were established. They were called the Judaizers. These are people, these are Jewish Christians. They believed in Christ, but because they were Jews, they also followed the law of the land, the law of Moses. They adhered to it. Though they had freedom in Christ, they also obeyed the law, and they felt like, well... We're following after Christ. These guys need to have a little bit of legalism as well. They need to have a little bit of what we've got. They need some rules put on them so that they understand if they're to follow Jesus, they need to behave like us. They said salvation comes from the Jews because Jesus was Jewish. You guys need to do what, what we're doing. And nothing could be further from the truth because then it's not faith alone in Christ that grants you salvation. And so Paul... Paul is basically fighting this because these guys are saying it's Jesus plus something and Paul says it's Jesus alone. It's only Christ. And so these guys are, come in and they're sowing discord and they're sowing confusion among the people and, and of all the things that they're pushing for in, the, in the, the, the legalism and the rules that they need to follow, you know what they're pushing for? Circumcision. Now if you don't know what circumcision is, I can't imagine that a single one of you don't know what it is. If you don't know what it is, you don't need to identify yourself, but you can lean over and ask somebody quietly what is circumcision, and they'll explain it to you. But let me, let me, let me just briefly summarize what was happening. These guys are showing up and saying, yes, we follow Christ too, circumcision. Half of the group of believers would have stepped aside, and it would have been all the dudes, they'd have been deuces and duck lips, we're out, we're gone. This is something that would affect the men only. Suddenly, the congregation of Christian followers in that particular city was all women. And nobody, nobody understood why. But they, were push, but, they, but they were pushing for this. And this group of people were offended by the fact that these, these new converts were completely free. And so they said, circumcision, that's what you need. 
They found like the most offensive thing, the thing that would drive them the farthest away. If you really want to do this, you've got to endure this in your body. You've got to do something. It was Jesus plus. They need some legalism. And it's just like today where people say, you know, you can't come to Jesus unless you dress a certain way. You can't come to church unless you look a certain way. You can't come to Jesus if you've got tattoos. You can't, you can't do this. You, unless you, you can't come to Christ unless you clean yourself up. You can't come unless you have this much money. You can't come unless you look this way. You can't. You must. You'd have to change rules, rules, rules before you come to Christ. It's so not biblical. It's not what, that's not what Paul was preaching at all. And yet these people were doing that. And that's what happens in the world today. I hope it's not happening here. I hope you know that we have a policy of come as you are. Come to Christ just as you are. So here's what Paul says about that. He's speaking to the Galatians church and he says in verse or in chapter 2 he says even that question came up and he's talking about circumcision only because of some so-called Christians there. False ones really who were secretly brought in. They sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. They wanted to enslave us and enforce us to follow their Jewish regulations. Now let me tell you something. There's a careful balance here. Though we have freedom and grace through Christ, we don't need to abuse that freedom and grace by being an idiot. Like don't live a life of sin and go out and get yourself entangled in those things that you were entangled in before. You ought to live a life that's different the moment that you encounter Christ. But you it's not a requirement that you live a life that's perfect. But you can enjoy that freedom. Today, and, and kind of what we're talking about and the way I'm dressed today, you don't have to dress up to come to church. How many of you know you're not going to hell for wearing board shorts and flip-flops on a Sunday morning? You're, you're not. We don't have to do anything to have salvation in Christ except believe on Him. That's it. That's it. It's a free gift for us, but that freedom is offensive to others. It is offensive. So enjoy that freedom, but I'd encourage you to fight that tendency on the inside if you didn't want to add something to your freedom. So the last freedom, or the last thing about freedom is that it is active. Freedom is active. If we are to live in a place of freedom, we have to be vigilant to protect it because there are those who would take that freedom away from you. If we don't work to maintain the freedom that we have gained in this country, then we will lose it. The same thing spiritually can be said. We must engage that thing on the inside of us that wants to earn our salvation. Because let's be honest, we earn everything else. We earn our paychecks. We earn respect. We earn relationships. We earn the girl, you know. We earn everything. We earn our promotion. We earn it. And so there is something naturally inside of us, this tendency to want to do something to gain our salvation. But there is nothing that we can do. If there was something we could do, then guess what? We all get to boast about what we did to earn salvation. And nobody can boast. It is a free gift through Christ. Nothing you can do can earn it. And there's nothing we need to add except Jesus. So honestly, during biblical times, as painful as circumcision would have been, it almost made sense to them that they would need to get circumcised. Well, this is something I need to do. I need to demonstrate my faith. This, I guess that's, I'm going to go ahead and do this. And there was confusion and discord among the people as a result of it. They said, I have to do this in order to gain freedom. But when you do that, the moment you do it, it takes the focus off of Jesus. And that was their point. They wanted the focus off of Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. Placing your faith in Christ begins a journey of transformation. We call it life change. Why? Why? Because when you accept Christ, 
they, they call it accepting him into your heart because that's where it begins. You begin a life there. And Christ changes your heart. And as your heart changes, you know what changes next? Your mind. As your mind changes, so does what your hands do. So eventually what you do will be altered and changed by your relationship with Christ. But there is nothing that you need to do to come to him in the first place. It's that simple. Accept it. It's a free gift. But a life with Christ will be exemplified by transformation. I promise you that. If you are walking with him and following after him, you will change. Your heart will change. Your mind will change. And what you do will change as a result. Salvation is found in grace alone so that no man can boast, is what Paul says. He continues in Galatians 5. He says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. We have to choose to stay free is what he's telling you. You have to make that conscious decision to avoid the temptation to get caught up in regulations and rules that earn us our freedom in Christ. So how do we stay free? If there are battlefronts without us and within us, how do we live a life of freedom? Well, here's the answer. And I like the way the Message Bible paraphrases this particular selection of verse, so I'm going to read it that way. It's in Colossians. It's Paul again speaking. He said, My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. You received Christ Jesus, the Master. Now live Him. You're deeply rooted in Him. You're well constructed upon Him. You need to know, or you know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. Start living it. One of the things we talk about often around here is that everybody in this room is on a different place in their spiritual journey. Everybody in this room is also from very different backgrounds. Some of you are what we call church. It means you've been in church for a period of time. Others of you are unchurched. You've never gone to church before. And we are glad that you are here. Both of you, both groups of you, wherever you fall in. We know that your backgrounds and where you're at in your spiritual journey are very, very different. But here's what we believe about that. If you've been coming to church for any amount of time, one service, two service, three services, doesn't matter. We believe that you have everything you need to start living a life with Christ. Everything. We believe that. We believe that so much that, that we are, when we teach, at the end of our services, we give you an opportunity to learn or to respond to the teaching. We believe that living it is way more important than the education process itself or continual education. We believe that at the end of every service, you have a chance to respond. We teach our kids, our youth group. I'm not against having fun and, and having a fun youth group, but I am all for teaching our kids that they can start living out what the Bible says today, that they can start doing it now. And so we ask them the questions, how do we live this out? They're learning to handle the Word of God, to respond to the Word of God. It's powerful. It's life-changing for them. But I believe that, that you have all the tools you need in order to grow in your relationship with Christ. In the Bible, we see that Paul would go out and he would travel from city to city and he would plant churches. And sometimes he was there for two months and other times he was there for years. No matter how long he was there, when he was done, he'd mic drop on him, deuces and duck lips, I'm out, I'll write you guys a letter, see you later. And he was gone. Why? Because Paul lived a life that was exemplary in front of them and he taught them everything they needed to know. They didn't need another church service, they didn't need another book, they didn't need another grow group, they didn't need anything. He gave them everything they needed to know, and he said, now go do that. 
And then he would send people periodically to check on them to see how they were doing. Why? Because they had everything they needed to live for Christ now. They had everything they need. And I believe that just as in that time, today, we all have everything we need as well. You don't need another church service. You don't need it. Education and resources are not your issue. I don't think that's the issue of the church today in America. Because honestly, we have church every Sunday. We have two services. And there are plenty of places around here you can go to church Sunday night if you'd like to as well. And even Saturday night. That you can go to church someplace. That's available to you, right? We also have an app. You can listen to all of our messages. You can listen to it throughout the week. We live broadcast now through Periscope so that you can see us on Sunday mornings. If you're not able to be here, you can watch it. Resources and education are not our issue. You can find books in a printed format, a PDF format, and an audio format. You can go to the library. You can use the internet. You can use your phone. You can find education. Education is not our issue. Starting to live and responding to what we've learned is our issue. I've often said it, and I'll say it again. We are, as a church me included, educated way beyond our level of obedience. We know how to live and simply don't. We know how to grow in our relationship with others and with Christ, and we simply don't. We're too busy Facebook, and we're too busy doing recreational activities. We're too busy getting educated to live for Jesus. We're, we're, we're simply too busy. So I want to encourage you today, we need to start living for Christ by just doing it. School's out. Time to stop studying and to start living it out. So how do we do that? I think there's three key ways to do that. I'll go through them really, really quick here today. The first way that we live out our freedom and start living is to celebrate the victories. Now, when you look at, at the concept of celebrating victories, celebrating victories is all about looking back. It's all about looking back. You see something that you accomplished, you, whatever has happened in your life, and you celebrate that. It's about knowing where you came from. As a nation, I think we can do this by going back to the roots of our founding fathers and really understand the driving force that was behind them. Something you won't read in the history books very often, is, especially not in our, in our public schools, is that the 13 colonies that were here, before they formed this nation, they were getting ready to throw the towel in. Are you aware of that? And they were having a meeting. They gathered together and they said, we're getting ready to throw the towel and we're getting ready to go back. And Benjamin Franklin stood up in the midst of them. And he says, why would we not pray for two hours before we make this decision? And they all voted and decided that's what they were going to do. And they prayed for two hours. And you know the result of that conversation and that prayer. We're here today. Our nation was founded. They didn't throw in the towel. And that's part of our roots, that our leaders would spend time in prayer. They would seek guidance from God. Can you imagine what Congress would do today? And I don't mean some little prayer, Jesus, thank you, be among us, amen. I don't mean like that. Can, can you imagine a heartfelt prayer that was seeking God, seeking His wisdom and seeking His direction, waiting for Him to lead and for Him to guide before decisions were made, as I feel like they're so carelessly made sometimes? Can you imagine tell you we wouldn't be in as much trouble as we're in as a country. And that applies all across the board. I'm not speaking to anything in, in specific, specifically today. That applies clear across our government. But let me tell you why this doesn't happen. 
I know exactly why prayer meetings are not held in Congress anymore. Because voices have crept in and said, look, hey, I don't mean to, I don't mean to bring this up, but there's this whole thing called separation of church and state. We got to take God out of our government. We got to take God off. They're fighting to get it off of our money, and God we trust. They want it gone, or they've tried. And since it won't go from our money, they've tried to redefine it and say, "Well, God is just whatever you think He is." No, look. Let me tell you something. God is the Christian God, the God that you and I believe in, the God that we serve, and it was the God of our founding fathers. And that's exactly why it's all across our government is because that is where we started from, and we need to know that that's where we came from. We do that by looking back, and we can celebrate that. Sorry, I just got completely off my notes. I'm excited right now. But they say this separation of church and state. So we got to take God out of, the, out of the government. But let me tell you something. I hate to inform you of what that actually meant, but our founding fathers, the separation of church and state, was to keep the state out of our church, to keep them from governing the way that we believe religiously and spiritually. It was not the other way around. They are abusing that terminology. And unfortunately... It is, one of those, it is one of those things that is like, it could be, I could see it both ways. And so everybody's like, well, I guess we better play nice. You wish you could go back to Herbie Hancock and say, hey, bro, write this a little different, right? I know it's John Hancock. I'm just making a Tommy Boy reference. Oh. But they, but they claim this separation of church and state, and so prayer and God and all of it gets removed from our government. And we forget that that's where we started and we let these voices corrupt and corrode away at our real history, our constitution, and in my opinion, our freedom. We have to know who we are by knowing where we came from. And we need to celebrate the victories in the past. It's the same thing in our spiritual lives. We need to celebrate that God, what God has done in our lives. We cannot forget where we came from. Colossians 2 says it this way, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. He's reminding them all of where they came from. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Do you guys know that there used to be a list of every sin that you ever committed? Every mistake that you have ever made, every idle word you have ever uttered, every life that you have ever damaged, there was a list of it. And when you died, you were to go to heaven and you're to, it's the judgment day and God's going to roll that list out and you will be held account, accountable for what's on that list if it weren't for Christ. Because of the price that he paid, our sins and our mistakes are, are forgiven. They're wiped clean. And on that day of judgment, when that list is rolled out, Jesus will stand there in his place, in its place. I got this one. He's covered. And that's something to celebrate. That's something to remember. We can remember where we came from, but we celebrate that. The verse continues on and says, In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Not only did he take away our sins from the past, but he also removed authority over, from our enemies over us. Bugs me all the time to hear Christians say, well, the devil made me do it. Look, the devil has no authority over you at all. You made that decision on your own. Just own it, repent, and be good, okay? Love you, mean it. (laughs) 
But the fact that Jesus took away the authority from the enemy is something to celebrate. And we need to remember that on a regular basis. How do you do this practically? You say, well, Aaron, I'm going to go home with this message. How do I do this practically? Well, practically, I would encourage you to keep a journal. You say, well, Aaron, that's kind of girly. My journal's kind of manly. It's leather. It's rough on the outside. Arr, that's right. Thank you for the grunt. I needed that. But, but I, it's a prayer journal. There are prayers that I have prayed in there, and I write the dates next to it and specifically what I've prayed. And then I write the date in it and specifically how God answered it. Positive or negative, you say, Aaron, well, you're just writing down the good things. No, sometimes there are prayers that get answered in a different way that I didn't expect, and they will always, according to Scripture, turn out to be blessings for me, and I write those down. Why? Because I can look back on them in times of dark, in the darkest times in my life and the greatest times in my life, and I can celebrate the times when I need faith, I need to look back and remember that what Jesus did for me, that he's been faithful to me in the past, that he's never left me, he's never forsaken me, and if he's been that way in the past, well, God's not like us where we are changeable and we change our minds and the way we live. God is constant. And if he was that way before, he'll be that way again, and that's encouraging to me. And I just encourage myself. Sometimes I turn on my own messages, and I listen to myself preach to me, and I get encouraged, bless God, it's good. I do. And I'll go back there. I just encourage myself. I get excited. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to preach. <laughs> I'm a very weird kind of guy. I'm just telling you. But we have to celebrate the victories. Because when you do, they'll give you the strength and the faith to continue in your freedom. Okay? The second thing you need to do is evaluate your direction. Evaluate your direction. As a nation, I think that we need to look at where we've been. But more importantly, we need to keep eyes on where we are going. As believers, I think this is incredibly important to us. I encourage you to trust God and to pray for our, uh, the leaders of our government, to pray for your president, to pray for your senators and your, the, the state representatives, all the way down the line into, from, into your community, your county leaders, even the pastor of your church. I would encourage you to pray. Please pray for me. But pray for these people and trust God. But, but don't just let that be all that you do. I would encourage you to be aggressive in understanding what is going on. I'm not telling you to take up politics. I'm not telling you to watch... ESPN, or not ESPN, CNN or Fox News. I'm not telling you to choose. I'm saying be aware of what's going on. Be aware of where we are being led. I think, I think that it's our responsibility to do that. We are one nation under God, and we have a responsibility to participate as citizens of this great nation in stewarding the freedom that God has given us. And that takes every single one of us in order to do that. And it's the same thing in our spiritual walk. We need to evaluate where we are going on a regular basis. I think we're generally great at remembering where we've been, but some, for whatever reason, we kind of let lapse where we're going. We kind of arrive at where we're at, and we're like, oh, yeah, this is great. I didn't, I didn't mean to be here, but this is awesome. But what if we were intentional about it? What if we were asking some difficult questions of ourselves on a regular basis? Asking God to search our hearts. Asking Him to search our lives. Is there anything that's offensive to you in my life? Is there anything I'm watching? Is there anything I'm listening to? Is there any relationship that is dangerous for me or is not honoring you? This is evaluating where we're headed spiritually on a regular basis. You can say, ask yourself, am I making questions that are leading me closer to God? Do I love His Word? Am I still passionate for serving others? You know, in my personal prayer time, I submit to God in these ways. I pray, search me out. Do I need to give forgiveness to somebody? Do I need to seek forgiveness to somebody? 
And I let God work in my heart and work in my life because it's important to me that anything that is offensive to him, anything that is a roadblock to him, be removed. Why? Because I want to be closer to him because I am passionate for him. The result of one of these prayers recently was, hey, Aaron, you're going to do a 30-day fast. You're going to fast from TV. And I took it to my wife and I took it to my family and they said, yep, we're going to join you in that, Dad. So for 30 days, we turn off the TV. Now, am I telling you there's anything inherently bad with TV? No, absolutely not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that... that following all those storylines and, the, and the, the commitment to watch the shows and all that kind of stuff really clouded my mind and clouded my thoughts. And when I said, God, is there anything in my life that I need right now? Yeah, you need some clarity. You need to clear your head. Turn that TV off. And I did. Am I telling you to do that? No, I'm telling you to pray those prayers and respond to what God's telling you to do. Because that time was an incredible blessing to me spiritually. I grew, my children grew, we grew together as a family. We spent more time playing games together and getting to know one another. It was exactly what we needed. Exactly what we needed. But they come from evaluating where you are and being submitted to God in that way. Check out Romans 6. It says, you are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. That means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full-time into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. So what's he saying? He's encouraging us to evaluate our direction by looking at our lives to make sure it's in line with God's way of doing things. To avoid temptation to sin and those things that separate us from God. Now look, it's not sinful to be tempted. It's sinful to give in to those temptations. We're all tempted. Jesus was tempted, and yet he was without sin. We must avoid those things that we're being tempted to do. And if we don't, we'll find that those small compromises that we make, those small little things, those shifts in honoring God with our lives, away from him, we'll find that over time, they bring great distress and issues in our lives. Look at our country for the perfect example of what small compromises over time will gain you. Truly. Look at it. If you ever shoot a rifle and you shoot it long distance, we've got some guys that like to shoot guns. You shoot a handgun, you shoot it 10, 15, even 20 feet in front of you. You, you can be off a little bit in your direction in, in, in a, a degree. Won't make a difference when you shoot. You're still going to hit your target. You may not hit bullseye, but you're going to hit your target. But if you shoot a rifle, and we're talking hundreds of yards out or, or long distances, that little degree over a long time means you won't even touch your mark. It's likely you're going to hit the guy's mark 10, 10 spots down. You're not going to touch it. Small compromises make all the difference in the longevity of your life and your walk with Christ. Small adjustments we make in our values as a country and our lives make all the difference in our direction. So celebrate the victories by remembering the past. Evaluate your direction to ensure that you are walking in a way that honors God. And the last thing is, infiltrate your world. Look, God has given us great freedom and responsibility to that freedom in this nation. I think he's blessed us beyond measure. God has blessed us. We are so rich. So rich in resources, finances, people. We are blessed. And I believe that God has blessed us as a nation so that we can be a blessing to other people. 
That's our call. If you don't believe that, you need to read your Bible because that's the way God always does it. It started with Abraham. He used one guy. He said, I will make you a father of many nations and I will use you to bless the nations. One guy to create the Jewish bloodline through which Christ would come. Once again, one guy. God always uses what's called a remnant, a certain group of people that he pours out his blessing upon and from there they pour it out to everybody else. Always. I think America is that country. We are here. We have, we have a responsibility to continue to be a blessing to others. Because let's be, be honest. Look outside of America. This place is a fairy tale. There is no other country that is blessed like we are. And I believe that we're blessed so that we can make a difference in the world around us. As a nation, we can infiltrate our world by using the voice God has given us to make sure that this nation continues to be free. Say, Aaron, how do I do that within my community? Well, let me tell you a simple way. It's part of the nation. You know how you can do that? Vote. God's given you a voice. Go vote. He's influenced your heart. Go vote. You say, Aaron, who should I vote for? That's none of your business. I'm not telling you that. That's not my place. That's not my my pulpit here to do that. To tell you who to vote for, what party to side with, that's none of my business. Prayerfully, you consider who and how to honor God and go vote but participate be part of the influence of this country so that it continues to be a blessing and remain free I'm begging you I'm begging you I think that as a church one day we will be held accountable for how we have personally allowed God's influence in our life to play out in this country truthfully your vote makes a difference spiritually how how this plays out is simple We are supposed to be influencers of people around us. Galatians 5 says, Use your freedom to serve one another in love. Wait, I thought freedom was for capitalistic gains so that I could have a nice fat bank account and have a good job and have a nice home and drive a nice car. I mean, this is the land of the free, the home of the brave, the place of the opportunity. That's what I'm here for, right? That's what the freedom is there for? No. Paul says the freedom that we have is to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourselves. That's an act of true freedom. Look, we need to be free in our spiritual lives. And we need to use that freedom to make a difference in the world around us by serving one another. You know, maybe you don't know what that looks like. Maybe you didn't come from a home where people served each other. Maybe you don't come from a background where you understand that. It's all been about me, 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 me. Maybe you don't understand what that looks like. You know what? You want to jump in, jump in with a bunch of people that do? Here's your invitation. Friday night, we're going to the fireworks, and we're giving wa- bottles of water, face painting, photo booths, balloon animals to a bunch of people we're going to serve this community. You want to jump in with a bunch of people who know how to serve? Right here. Great DNA here at this church. They'll teach you how to do it. Get involved. Maybe you can walk in the parade. If you can hand out a popsicle, it goes like this. Can you do this? Can you walk and do this? You're in, man. That's it. You can love some people. And we'll shout God's praises and walk up and down this street during the parade. Come on, you can get involved. Maybe, maybe you're not available. Maybe you're traveling. You know what? Take out your connection card. Fill it out. Flip it over on the back. It says, I want to get involved. We'll get you connected with a serve team. You want to serve outside of this church? What do you need? A food pantry? Do you need a community opportunity? I am connected. Let me hook you up. You want to know how to serve? We'll show you. We'll show you what it looks like to serve one another in love. 
because I think that's what we're called to do. Beyond the serve opportunities of the church, I love what Paul's description is, how he personally is affected by this and how he chose to live out his spiritual freedom. I think it's an incredible pattern to show or to follow. This is the last verse of the day. I'm closing. It says, even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessing. This is a life poured out. This is a man who was free in Christ and yet made himself a slave to everyone. How do you and I live that out? Well, who do you know that's broken? Go be broken with them. I don't mean go do drugs with somebody. Go sit with them in the middle of their dirt. Maybe they're going through a divorce and they need somebody to sit beside them. Maybe they're going through an addiction issue and they need somebody to love them unconditionally. Maybe they're going through some emotional trauma or some relational issues. They need somebody, they need something. I'm not sure. Maybe they need groceries. You can take them to the store and let them shop. Connect them with the food pantry. Call them, check on them, pray for them, love them. Do what Jesus did. This is what Paul is demonstrating. A life poured out. Where was Jesus found? With the people, with those that were sick. And Jesus wasn't just among them. He touched them. He was like them. He was called a sinner because he was sitting with them so much. He hung out with prostitutes and the rejects of the day. He touched lepers, which was unclean. He was not allowed to do that. You and I can do the same. There's somebody in the hospital. Go visit them. Yeah, it means you're going to have to get off your Facebook. Yeah, it means you might have to give up some leisure time in the evening. I'm not talking about every night. Do you know somebody that's hurting? Do you know somebody in prison that you can go spend some time with them? that you can go visit them. It makes all the difference in the world, I promise you. I've visited people in prison before. It means everything to them. I see my brother out there. He's going, he didn't come see me. <laughs> I, he's not been in prison. He's not been in prison. I'm just messing with him. How, how do we play this out practically? Go where the people are. It means getting out of your home. It means being uncomfortable. It means maybe means getting dirty. I, that's what it looks like. It means doing something. It means allowing this thing to change you from the inside out. <laughs> Be a friend to sinners. Love them to Christ. Simply put, if you want to serve the world, love people, walk with them. Be willing to understand their world, to touch them, to pray with them, to dine with them. Go from knowing their name to knowing their story. Oh, it's powerful. It's powerful. I, I got this thing sitting up here. It's in between services. How many of you guys know we're going to El Salvador here in September? And uh, we have an opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. For $10, you can provide groceries for a family for one week. That's where we're going to go. We're going to go to 300 homes in El Salvador. We're going to do other things while we're there. We're going to go to them, and we're going to give them groceries for the week, and we're going to pray for them. We're going to introduce them to Jesus if we have that opportunity. 
we're going to bless them. You say, well, Aaron, I can't go to El Salvador, but you can do something. Let me tell you about a life that is poured out, somebody who's decided to do something. That's April Reed sitting right here. April and her daughters are so moved by the opportunity to do something. They said, we can, well, here's what I can do. And I'm so proud of her because as a parent, she's making a difference in her children's lives and teaching them how to serve. She organized a lemonade, it was a lemonade stand where she was selling lemonade right out in front of her house. She put it out on Facebook, had a bunch of people show up to get lemonade from two little girls, her, her daughters. Not Ellie too, Ellie was out there too. Morgan and Madison were manning it. And then she dipped chocolate pretzels and said, I can make this investment and we'll sell them. And I think she sold two for a dollar. Two for a dollar. How much was your lemonade cups? How much? 50 cents for a lemonade cup. So two pretzel rods dipped in chocolate. That's what April could do. She did something. Do you know what I'm holding my hand? The fruit of that. You know how much money is here? Over $80. That's eight homes and eight families and eight lives that will be changed. I'm serious. I'm so proud of this. I'm so proud of those girls. I'm so proud of April. She chose to do something. I wish I had this first service. <laughs> they get it till, till between. These are eight families whose lives will be forever changed by the gospel because one person was moved to do something. Aaron, are you asking me to give money? No. Let God lead you to do what you need to do. What can you do? Respond. It's time for us to start living. And we can start living by looking at our lives, by celebrating the past victories, looking back and remembering, evaluating where we're headed by asking some difficult questions. then we need to go out and be a blessing to this world. We have to. We have to. By using our gifts in our lives and what we do have. I, I don't have any more time to preach. I've got so much more to share with you that is in my heart. You'll just have to come back next week. Amen? You'll have to come back next week because I'm, I'm ready. God has filled me up on my time off and I'm ready to preach. I pray. Let's pray real quick. Lord, <laughs> thank you for filling me with your love and your word today. I might go find a corner and preach to it somewhere. I don't know. I just, I just thank you for your life-changing power that is at work in our lives right now. I pray that you continue that work in us. Challenge us, change us. We need you. In fact, I'll take a moment right now. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here today and you don't know the freedom that comes from knowing Jesus, you don't know the freedom from your shame, you don't know the freedom from your sins, your past, your mistakes, and you want to know that right now is your opportunity. I would ask you if you're here and that's what you need, I want you to shoot your hand up. Nobody's looking around. I just want to pray with you. I want to know that you're here. So do it and do it now. Now is your chance to pray and forever have your life changed know that freedom in Christ. Amen. It's awesome. Lord, I pray for all of us. Help us do this thing. Don't let us walk out of here unchanged. Help us live out our freedom and start living for you today. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to give you an opportunity just to reflect, take a moment. It's only a minute. Pull out those connection cards in the seat in front of you. 
Fill one out. Commit to doing something. Some of you need to celebrate your victories. And you say, you know what? I'm going to celebrate this victory by doing this. Whatever it is. God's already been speaking to you this entire time. I know he has because you've been taking notes. I'm watching you. All your hands are going. What is God talking to you about? Do you need to evaluate your direction? Has God been speaking to something about you or something about your life? It says, hey, you need to shift this. Write it down. Commit to it. Whether you put that on the connection card or not, write it down on the top part. But if you want us to pray with you, write it down on the connection card and drop it in the bucket. We'll pray with you and agree that God can do that in your life. Some of you may say, you know what? God's been leading me to get involved. Get involved here at the church. Get involved in the food pantry and the community in some way. However he's been leading you, do something. Write it down. Commit to it. Take a moment to reflect. Think about what God's going to do or what you're going to do in response to his word today. Amen? We'll close the service in just a moment. connection cards you had them out at the beginning of service hopefully you still have them we're going to call our ushers up to take the offering if you've got your the bottom part of your connection card please uh go ahead and throw that in there and hopefully the top half you're keeping that part because that's where you've got your i will statement uh written out this morning i had i had the blessing to be able to hang with our teens and tweens and we got to read leviticus chapter four Woohoo, leviticus and and we were reading through leviticus chapter four